What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush coming at you with another solo video today. Today, we're talking about my top five. You're actually going to get a bonus one because of the news this morning. Uh, sleepers in fantasy football this year. It's your boy's 22nd birthday, so uh, leave me some love down in the comments below. And before you accuse me of fishing for birthday wishes, I'm actually fishing for comments to help the YouTube, uh, YouTube algorithm. So uh, none of that stuff. So we're going to hit the intro and then we're going to get right into this. So as I mentioned, we had some news this morning that uh, prompted me to put a guy on this list just so that I could talk about him based on the news. And that's Antonio Gibson. So uh, my previous stance on Antonio Gibson was don't take him until the double digit rounds because you're he needs to take a while to develop because he didn't have a lot of touches coming out of school. But we got some news that changed that this morning. Uh, per NFL Network's Tom Pelissero, the Washington football team released Adrian Peterson. So uh, this prompted a conversation with ESPN's Josina Anderson, who she had a conversation with Adrian Peterson saying, uh, Hall of Fame running back uh, Adrian Peterson was caught by surprise by the release. Apparently he was having a strong camp, showing a lot of uh, good reps on film, taking a lot of uh, reps with the ones. And he got notified by the running backs coach and Ron Rivera yesterday that uh, they wanted to give the young guys some reps. They wanted to make sure that Antonio Gibson, Bryce Love, and any other guys that they had there uh, were going to get um, the primary reps. They're a rebuilding team. They're not there's no reason to give the ball to Adrian Peterson is kind of my thinking around it. And basically what he said was Ron Rivera said, this is like, this is always tough, like cutting a player, but we're going to release you and go with this offensive style. And what that means to me is that they intend to use Gibson and, and um, Peterson says Gibson's a hell of a talent. And then in the next clip, you'll see right here, he says the system really fits him. Well, I feel like he can do, uh, and he talks about his own receiving ability, which we know he doesn't have, but they drafted Gibson for it is the, the key word of what Adrian Peterson says. So he is basically under the impression that coach Ron Rivera tell, uh, told him that they have a role specifically in mind for uh, Antonio Gibson. And it's, it's probably likely um, a big time receiving role. So I promptly moved Antonio Gibson after this news came out to my RB 21 ahead of Todd Gurley. Why not once did Ron Rivera or Adrian Peterson really mention Bryce love or any of the other backs specifically. He only mentioned Gibson specifically and let's not forget that Gibson was the 302. He was the second pick of the third round. He was picked ahead of guys like Keyshawn Vaughn, ahead of Zach Moss, ahead of uh, Anthony McFarlane by this regime who did not select Bryce Love and this coaching staff. So as I mentioned, the key line in this uh, whole blurb is that AP says they really want one main guy to do it. Uh, talking about the receiving work. They want one main receiving back and one main feature back. So remember, this is the coaching staff. Scott Turner is the offensive coordinator there, and he's the son of Norv Turner. They have notoriously, notoriously used a bell cow running back. And not only that, but they've turned non-bell cow running backs into bell cow running backs. Do you remember in 2018 when CJ Anderson signed with the Panthers and we didn't believe that CMC could be a bell cow because he couldn't run in between the tackles and all this bullshit, including myself, fell for? Um, now CMC plays virtually every snap. And they have literally comped Antonio Gibson when they came in to Christian McCaffrey in terms of his receiving ability. So he has concerns. Yeah. Lack of production in college included, but the upside is tremendous with Antonio Gibson. Why is it tremendous? Cause you might not think that because he plays for Washington, but let's just look at the, the profile of Antonio Gibson. First of all, his fucking workout metrics are stupid. The fact that he ran a four, three, nine at 228 pounds is ridiculous. His college yards per reception and, and yards per carry, sorry, are 
are crazy as well. But the number one thing I'm looking for with Antonio Gibson in this offense is the college target share. You see it's 88th percentile there. Like we can all agree on two things with Washington's backfield. One, they're not going to be that good of an offense. We, we don't expect them to score a lot. We don't expect their running backs to be getting plenty of goal line work. And number two, they have no pass catchers outside of Terry McLaurin. And this is actually why I like Antonio Gibson. If Antonio Gibson is able to establish himself as, I don't know, maybe a five to seven carry guy, Bryce Love and whoever else gets uh, the other carries, but he gets six to eight targets per game. He is intriguing as hell. The, the involvement he could see in the passing game is going to be tremendous with literally no competition for targets outside of Terry McLaurin. And Terry McLaurin is a down the field weapon. He can be used everywhere, but primarily he's the down the field guy. So in terms of like a tight end or like a guy, like a slot receiver, like a guy over the middle, it's really, everyone's as unproven at those positions as Antonio Gibson is, in my opinion. So I think Antonio Gibson is honestly worth a sixth, seventh, maybe even uh, or like an eighth round pick. And you might even be able to get him later than that, considering if you're in a league with a, a, like a bunch of uh, novice players or a home league where people don't really, they're not as plugged in as other leagues, they might not have caught up with the news yet. And you could steal Antonio Gibson. My opinion, he could be a league winner this year. Like he could be like what Austin Eckler was last year. Obviously like Washington's offense, blah, 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 blah. Like it's not that good of an offense. I don't care. Cause if he catches six to six to fucking seven balls a game, it's not going to matter who he, who he plays for because he's explosive. He's electric. And just if you play in any kind of PPR league, you get points for the receptions anyway. So the next guy on the list I'm going to talk about here is Chris Herndon. And he's the first sleeper that I actually planned to talk about before the, the Gibson news kind of ruined everything while I was um, writing all this stuff up. But Chris Herndon is one of six rookie tight ends this century to average at least two PPR points per target. And he's currently going very, very late in drafts. He's rising a little bit uh, now that people are kind of plugging into him, but he's still going very late in drafts. So, um, Herndon was incredible as a rookie in 2018. He had a higher PFF grade than Mark Andrews, and that graphic should be on the screen right now. Last season, uh, he was suspended. He was banged up. So we're, we're basically, I, I'm willing to just forget about his 2019 season because it was just injury riddled and all that stuff. And apparently the Jets have been uh, willing to do that as well because I've said this multiple times about different players. When you hear multiple camp reports, one camp report doesn't mean anything, but multiple camp reports from different sources all about the same player, it usually means something good is about to happen. The Jets won't shut up about this dude. They literally can't stop talking about him in a similar vein that we saw from Darren Waller last year. And Darren Waller was going in that like really back end tight end two range that uh, Chris Herndon is going in right now. So also like Waller, Chris Herndon has no competition for targets. When Antonio Brown left uh, Oakland last year, it was just Tyrell Williams and Darren Waller in the passing game. Jamison Crowder is really their only guy that's like able to stay healthy and stay on the field right now because Mims and Perryman are hurt. I know like they're starting to come back or whatever, but they're going to be behind the eight ball. So let's count the sources that are, are talking about fucking uh, Chris Herndon right now. Um, I'll put this, I'll put all these on the screen. The athletics Connor Hughes suggests that Chris Herndon is waiting to be unleashed this year. And this was back in like April, I believe. And basically the Jets was, they were just really high on Chris Herndon. They were really disappointed that he wasn't able to play much in 2019. I believe he only played one game. And then um, after this, closer to the start of training camp, uh, Charles McDonald reported that the, the Jets, uh, like coach Adam Gase has big expectations for him. So, I mean, Gase hates everyone. So if he actually likes someone, then maybe we should actually pay attention because he clearly plays favorites and has, holds grudges against players he doesn't like. So maybe when he actually does like someone, he's about to get a lot of volume. Again, Connor Hughes um, coming out and talking about Sam Darnold and Chris Herndon having an awesome chemistry. 
in training camp. And this was echoed by a lot of other uh, beat reporters for the Jets as well. Now let's see what Adam Gase said about him. Back in February, this was before they like drafted anyone, like anything like that. He said he's a unicorn type player, Gase said of Herndon. Like you don't see a lot of players that can do it in all three phases of the game. That's very high praise for a tight end. And especially to praise his blocking ability means he's going to be on the field and on the field often. And this was, um, uh, I believe it was some article on uh, a Jets website, but these are all quotes from Gase. So he said, Chris gives us a lot of flexibility. It's rare to have a guy with abil- uh, as, as, the ability to be as effective as a pass catcher and a guy that's explosive when he gets the ball in his hands, but still be a great blocker as well. And he says, Chris does give you something that you just don't see with all tight ends across the league. I can leave him in protection and feel comfortable for running a play to his side. I'm not worried about like yada, yada, yada. He loves his blocking ability, loves his ability as a receiver, loves his ability after the catch. All that stuff is, is great, great praise from your head coach. And again, it's been echoed by beat reporters. And now to quarterback Sam Darnold. This was a quote from last season, midway through last season. They were asking, uh, like probably uh, reporters or whatever, were asking, why is the offense struggling? And Sam Darnold said, right now we're missing, uh, we're just missing Chris Herndon. Once all these guys are back together, I think we're going to be unstoppable as an offense. It's the Jets, so they're probably not going to be unstoppable. But the fact that he said Chris Herndon is that important to their offense is big. Here's the touchdown logs from training camp the past couple of days. All these, all these plays are all Darnold to Herndon, Darnold to Herndon. Like, and everyone's noticing this. Everyone's like, man, he, him and Herndon have a great connection. And we saw that going back to uh, both Darnold and Herndon's rookie year. Now, all that being said, they can ca- gas him up all they want. But what kind of role will he have? As I mentioned, Mims and Perriman are banged up, as well as any other fucking shit receivers that they might have. Jamison Crowder is really the only guy that's going to stay, like, is going to get significant targets outside of Le'Veon Bell. So Herndon could, could realistically become the number one option in this, in this passing offense if he's the player that everyone is talking him up to be. And now what does the tight end position mean to this offense? Ryan Griffin, who's like been like kind of a fringe roster guy his entire career going back to his days in Houston, averaged almost 10 PPR points per game, half a touchdown per game, was getting like four targets, only three receptions, but he was really good in the red zone. And Again, this was just the backup tight end. Chris Herndon is far more talented than, than Ryan Griffin. And not only did Griffin see some work inside the 20s, like Herndon did when he was last healthy, but he saw a lot of work in the red zone. And that's, that's pretty big to notice that Sam Darnold is willing to use a tight end in that manner. And I know Chris Herndon suffered an, issue, uh, an injury like just a couple, uh, couple days ago in camp, but apparently it's an upper body issue. Uh, issue and he's like, it's just like a chest injury. And he's, it's reported to be minor and he's already practicing again as of today. So I would take him as your tight end two in drafts. If you get a guy like uh, Hayden Hurst or I don't know, whoever else you want to pair him with, get two guys that have a lot of upside, like Chris Herndon and Hayden Hurst or Chris Herndon and Johnny Smith or whoever else you want to get. I promise you this dude actually has top five tight end potential because, and I actually think he has a higher floor than most people think because this dude can become the number one option in his offense. And yeah, it's the Jets, but Sam Darnold and him clearly have rapport. He's been efficient when he's been on the field. And I think, uh, he could score eight to 10 touchdowns based on the way that they've used their tight ends in the red zone. So Chris Herndon go out smash uh, in the double digit rounds. If you need a, a late round tight end upside play, if you feel more comfortable taking an early tight end, like Zach Ertz or whatever, and you just want some upside on your bench. I don't hate the pick of Chris Herndon there either. So on to the next guy. And we're going to sh- uh, go from one onesie position to the other. And that's Joe Burrow is who I'm talking about next. Uh, so Kyler Murray last year was, was the quarterback seven as a rookie with only 3,700 passing yards, 20 touchdowns, and 12 picks. And the reason he was able to do this was because he was great at running the ball. Not only does Burrow have pretty similar rushing upside, I do think Kyler Murray's a better runner than Joe Burrow, but Joe Burrow's passing upside is significantly, significantly higher 
as he inherits a situation with great receiving options already. Last year, Kyler Murray really didn't have that many good receiving options. Now he has DeAndre Hopkins, and we're all super high on him now. But Joe Burrow comes into the season, as much as I don't like A.J. Green, he's going to be good when he's on the field. John Ross, Tyler Boyd, who's a criminally underrated receiver, T. Higgins, who's a promising rookie, Auden Tate, who's a solid fifth receiver, two pass-catching backs, and a decent tight end in C.J. Uzama. We could see similar, if not better, numbers for Burrow than, uh, than Kyler Murray posted last year. The defense is terrible. Like They added a bunch of new pieces, but they're all kind of average players, and some of them are banged up already and all that stuff. So this, offense, uh, this offensive line saw improvements with their first-round pick in 2019. Uh, Jonah Williams, the left tackle, coming back, as well as the signing of Xavier Suofilo, who is not that good, but he's better than the guards they had last year. Not to mention, this team was top five in percentage of pass plays in 2019 with Andy Dalton and Ryan Finley throwing the ball. They combined for over 600 pass attempts, 616 pass attempts in 2019. And I know everyone's thinking this right now. The narrative around rookie QBs is that they struggle. They never put up good passing numbers. Like Andrew Luck is like the most recent example of a rookie quarterback throwing for 4,000 yards. But most rookie quarterbacks did not just face a murderer's row of a college schedule of Alabama, Georgia, Auburn, Oklahoma, Clemson, and Florida, and put up the most historic college football season of all time for a quarterback. Joe Burrow put up 5,600 passing yards, 60 touchdowns, plus 360 rushing yards, and five touchdowns last year. I compared Joe Burrow to Deshaun Watson coming out of school because what we saw from Deshaun Watson, and sorry, what we saw from Deshaun Watson in his rookie year is what I expect not what I expect, but what we could see from Joe Burrow in his rookie year. He's, Deshaun Watson started six games as a rookie and came in midway through uh, the first game that he started and was just awesome as soon as he got on the field. I think Joe Burrow is, is that good at football. I think he can do what Deshaun Watson did. And uh, the competition jump for Joe Burrow, is, as it was for Deshaun Watson, is not too big. Coming from the teams that J- uh, Joe Burrow played in college, the Alabamas, the Georgias, the Floridas, the Clemsons, he's reportedly having an awesome camp too. Everyone is saying Joe Burrow is the MVP of camp, but that's obvious because he was the first overall pick. But some first overall picks struggle in camp, early in camp. So the fact that Joe Burrow is is looking every bit like the first overall pick he was billed to be is awesome. And as I mentioned with Deshaun Watson, if you see the splits of Deshaun Watson uh, in the six games that he played the full game, the, the one game is just the game he came in halfway through. But you can see he put up 30 PPR points per game. His pass attempts were only like 30 uh, a game. He had like three passing touchdowns. His yards per attempt was through the roof. This is the ceiling I see for Joe Burrow. And Deshaun Watson might have had DeAndre Hopkins, but his receiver core was not as deep as, uh, as Cincinnati's is. And the last thing that's in Joe Burrow's favor this year is the opening schedule. He faces some fucking cupcakes at the beginning of the season. He, and the Bengals as a team last year had a very hard schedule in terms of the defensive efficiency that they faced. So I'll put this on the screen right now, but this is Joe Burrow's uh, schedule. As you can see, the Chargers, who just lost Derwin James, the Browns, who are kind of an up-and-down pass defense, the Eagles, who are like okay against the pass, the Jags, who are just fucking awful against the pass, the Ravens, that's a good pass defense, the Colts, kind of an average pass defense, Browns again, Titans, not very good against the pass. Like, And then towards the back half of the season, you see he just has some cupcake matchups throughout, uh, throughout there. His real only like difficult matchups are against AFC North opponents and the Steelers and the Ravens. But again, those are divisional matchups and some like anything can happen in those. And I expect Joe Burrow to be tearing it up at this point in the season. So in my opinion, Joe Burrow is the perfect, perfect quarterback to get as your QB two in a super flex or to just pair him with like a safer quarterback like Matt Stafford or, or Matt Ryan or whatever and use him on your bench as, uh, and as an up, upside play in single quarterback leagues. 
do not leave your drafts without Joe Burrow. I promise you he is going to have a spectacular rookie season, and he's pretty much a lock to win an offensive rookie of the year. So speaking of offensive rookie of the year, if a receiver wins it this year, this is who I expect it to be, and that's Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy is drawing rave reviews from camps. Beat reporters are comparing him to Larry Fitzgerald. Cortland Sutton is talking about how many plays he's making all the time. Drew Locke's raving about him like crazy too. Judy was one of the few guys in the draft cycle last year that both the film people and the numbers guys could all agree this guy's a fucking stud. He has a great breakout age, great college dominator, and he's exceptional on film. He makes DBs look stupid with his like elite route running. In the draft guide, which I wrote up, you, you can uh, get the draft guide for only $3 in the description right now. Jerry Judy, I said it's, it's disrespectful to call him a college receiver because he is a professional. He was a professional probably going back to his freshman year at Alabama. He was just incredibly crafty. That's the best way I can describe him. He's super good at getting open, and that's pretty much all you need to do as a, a, a receiver in college and even in the NFL. So the, way, the player I compared him to was Devontae Adams, except I don't think he's going to take six years to break out like Devontae Adams did. Pat Shermer coming into the Denver Broncos offense is huge for Judy. The reason I think that is because Jerry Judy is primarily a slot receiver. I expect this offense to look a lot like the 2017 Minnesota Vikings, the last time that Pat Shermer was an offensive coordinator, not a head coach. In 2017, the undrafted free agent named Adam Thielen, who is not a, nearly as polished as a receiver prospect, obviously, as Jerry Judy, who's probably the best receiver prospect we've seen since, I don't know, Amari Cooper in terms of a route runner. Adam Thielen broke out when he was targeted 140 plus times out of the slot on over a 50% slot share. I expect a similar usage out of Jerry Judy this season as we saw from Adam Thielen in his breakout year in 2017. The next two years that Pat Shermer wasn't an offensive coordinator, but he was the head coach of the Giants, Sterling Shepard averaged 115 target pace and a 23% target share in the 26 games that he played over the last two years while Shermer was the head coach of the Giants. And again, Judy is way better than Sterling Shepard will ever be. So yes, Cortland Sutton is there. I understand Cortland Sutton's a great receiver, but Judy is a better prospect than Cortland Sutton was. And both guys operate in different areas of the field. Remember when I said they, I compare this offense to the 2017 Vikings? Cortland Sutton can play the downfield, um, go up and get it receiver like Stephon Diggs played in that offense. And Judy can play the close to the line of scrimmage, like slot receiver, just get open and get first downs role that Adam Thielen played. I expect both of them to have between 110 and 140 targets each. And yes, I mean that for Judy, even as a rookie receiver. I know everyone's like down on the rookie class because there was no preseason and stuff. But let's not forget that this is one of the best receiver classes we've ever seen. Pro scouts who have been scouts for 25, 30 years have said, this is the best receiver class I've ever seen. And the reason, part, a big reason for that was Jerry Judy because he was so polished coming out of school. And again, he was the darling receiver of Debbie drafts like fucking three years ago. He's now in the NFL. And let's not forget uh, that this is the best bar none route runner to come out of school since Amari Cooper came out in 2015. So again, Jerry Judy, don't overthink it. I know the rookie class will take a little bit of a hit because there was no preseason and stuff, but if there's anyone who can buck that trend and get out to a hot start early, it's Jerry Judy because he was basically a pro receiver the last three years. So speaking of Alabama receivers, I'm going to talk about his Alabama teammate and another sleeper that I really, really love this year. And anyone who knows me knows that I love this guy. And that's Henry Ruggs, a wide receiver for the Las Vegas Raiders. So Henry Ruggs, let's start that this is not really important to fantasy, but I think it is true. Um, Henry Ruggs' character and work ethic is off the charts. Like, I, I, I don't see how people can rip on this guy knowing just what he's gone through. If anyone's never seen, like, 
never heard his story, I highly suggest you go uh, watch the Road to the Pro series that Alabama has on their YouTube channel. Mayock described him as a five-star with a walk-on mentality. This kid is a dog. The rave reviews of the offense being designed around him per uh, NFL Network's David Carr, who's the brother of Las Vegas Raiders quarterback Derek Carr, and the injury to Tyrell Williams that he just sustained makes me believe that Ruggs will be a full-time player as early as week one. He will be on the field 70, 80, 90% of the snaps by week one, which is next week, obviously. So I 100% believe David Carr when he says they're designing the offense around Ruggs because not only um, did David Carr draw comparisons to how they designed the offense around Antonio Brown last year, and he said he's seeing the same things for Ruggs, uh, John Gruden has had a receiver like Ruggs before. In 2004 to 2007, Joey Galloway was a speed receiver um, with the same type of speed that Henry Ruggs have, has. Here are Joey Galloway's um, uh, career game logs or whatever from his time in Tampa. From 2005, when he was first healthy in Tampa, you could see 152 targets, 143 targets the next year. Look at how old he was too. He was 34 and 35 years old when this happened. Ruggs is also far more of a complete receiver than Galloway ever was. He was always a deep threat, but let's just say, even if Ruggs is just a deep threat, that is his target potential. He could get 140 plus targets. And I know everyone thinks that Henry Ruggs is just John Ross and he, all he does is run go routes all day, but here is the routes of the receiver class this past year. And as you can see, plenty of receivers on this list ran more go routes than Henry Ruggs. Ruggs route tree on the far right indicates that he was used much more close to the line of scrimmage than anything. Screens, slants, all these routes were his highest ran routes at Alabama. And that's what I anticipate his role to be in the NFL. When you have a guy who can stretch the field, not only vertically like he can, but also horizontally, you get him, you get him involved in the short game. You give him jet sweeps, you give him screen passes, you give him slant routes, you give him drag routes, and you take advantage of his elite run after catchability because he's not, he's like Tyreek Hill in the sense that He's also very quick, not just straight line fast. He can, once he gets the ball in his hands, he can make people miss with speed. He can outrun people and break angles like anyone else. 12th overall picks, which Henry Ruggs was, are not spent on someone who runs go routes every single play. And you also don't spend a 12th overall pick on a receiver in a receiver class like this when C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy were on the board. For most people who would consider better prospects than Henry Ruggs, I'm not one of those people, but Again, many people are going to say, oh, the Raiders are going to regret the day they passed on Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb. I don't think they will because I think Henry Ruggs is every bit as good as those guys. And I think they have a plan to use him and he's going to be, he's going to be a special player, in my opinion. And I think for fantasy this year, you can expect like a 100, in target, like 100 target role where he's kind of like a flex play. You can throw him into your, um, into your lineup whenever you need him. And by next year, he's like a breakout, breakout candidate. So Onto the running back position. And the next guy we're going to talk about is kind of in a very ambiguous backfield, which is what I would like to point out is how to identify sleepers at the running back position. And that's uh, running back for the San Francisco 49ers, Jarek McKinnon. If you're not familiar with McKinnon, he is really the definition of a freak athlete. In, in college, when he, was, when he went to the combine, he posted a 90th percentile in every athletic test that they have at the combine. The 40 time, burst score, um, speed score, fucking bench press, like everything. He was, he, he's a freak athlete. He's also a very capable receiver back in 2017 when he played for the Minnesota Vikings, which was the last time he was healthy, which is a concern for Jarek McKinnon, but this is a late round pick. So I, it doesn't really bother me that much. He ran uh, the 12th most routes of any running back that season. And he only had a 40% snap share. So guys that were like feature bell cows running uh, as many routes as they did obviously would have ranked ahead of him. 
again, in case you didn't know this about Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert, the two like primary guys in the 49ers backfield, they're not good receiving backs. McKinnon ran more routes in 2017, as I mentioned, than Coleman and Mostert ran last year combined. Both of those guys ranked outside of the top 50 in yards per route run, while McKinnon ranked inside the top 25. And again, he didn't get that much volume in 2017. I think from a role perspective, McKinnon's is actually the clearest of this backfield. And that's the reason I like him the most. On the rushing end, Mostert, McKinnon, Coleman, it's, it's going to be a mess to, to predict who is the primary running back on the ground for the Niners backfield. They're all going to eat into each other. But due to the lack of pass catching options with Debo Samuel Hurt, with Brandon Ayuk dealing with a hamstring injury and like every other receiver that they had on their, uh, on their offense going down with injury, McKinnon might be used in the slot. He might be used out wide. He might be totally utilized, not as a running back because he can do that. He is that good of a receiver. And uh, like, I'll put this on the screen right now, but reports like this have been coming out about Jarek McKinnon this whole summer. Jarek McKinnon has looked sharp running routes. He's making linebackers look silly. Like we've heard shit like this from 49ers camp all summer so far. And here's some quotes from Kyle Shanahan. McKinnon plays running back, receiver, tight end. You can use them the same way that you use all these positions. Shanahan's, and by, by that, he means you can play them in the slot. You can split them out wide. You can use them in the backfield, like whatever you want to use them as. And he said, I think he's a very good running back, but he also brings a lot of other stuff to the table. It's running backs versus linebackers and safeties, but he's running receiver type routes. So it's a huge advantage. And I believe Kyle Shanahan. Why? Because he made him like one of the most highest paid running backs in 2018 or going into the 2018 season when Jarek McKinnon was a free agent. So I believe Kyle Shanahan, when he says he intends to use him, he intends, uh, he knows how to use him and all this stuff. Both offensive tackles, the starting offensive tackles for the 49ers have come out and talked about McKinnon as well. Trent Williams said, I don't see how he doesn't break out. And Trent Williams is new to the team. So he hasn't seen him previously. He just got there this year. Mike McGlinchey, who's the right tackle, who has been there the whole time, discussed Kyle Shanahan's ability to use a versatile player like uh, Jarek McKinnon and to have him become a huge weapon. McKinnon, in my opinion, is the perfect dart throw type of pick. He has the upside to become a solid and consistent pass catcher and potentially like a top 24 running back. Plus, he should get some carries in this offense. It's, it's devoid of receiving options, as I mentioned. So we know he's going to be the primary third down back, but I also think he can get some carries as well if he uh, proves to be effective in his receiving role. And now some, uh, that's the end of the, the sleepers list that I have for you guys. I'm going to get into some honorable mentions real quick. Uh, that guys that just missed out on the list. So Zach Moss, um, he's going to be in a potential split with Singletary, but apparently he's drawing great reviews from camp. So a guy to probably keep an eye on as a, probably a handcuff to Singletary, but he also has some standalone value as well. And he could honestly just outright win the job over Singletary. Cause I, I don't think anyone's super impressed with Devin Singletary as a player. Um, Nikhil Harry, I talked about on the must draft second year receivers video. If you want to go check that out, basically my arguments were he has talent. Uh, he has opportunity and that could equal this year's DJ Chark or this year's Cortland Sutton. Michael Pittman Jr., same kind of argument as Harry, same talent, opportunity. With T.Y. Hilton banged up uh, the way he is, he could be this year's A.J. Brown, that rookie receiver that just steps into a, a starting role right away, which he's been taking uh, starting reps in uh, camp thus far with T.Y. Hilton out. O.J. Howard, uh, I've mentioned already before, he's drawing rave camp reviews again. Uh, he's still the super talented tight end he's always been, and he should be used more as a move tight end, uh, meaning like in the slot or out wide, as opposed to in line like he was used last year with Gronk coming in to be the inline guy. Obviously Gronk is a better blocker than OJ Howard. So you'd want to keep Gronk in line instead of OJ Howard. So as I mentioned, guys, that'll be all for today. Those are my top uh, five plus a bonus sleeper and some honorable mentions. Uh, if you enjoyed this video, like uh, hit the button that looks like this, comment down below any comments that you have. 
Uh, subscribe to the channel if you're new, and I will see you guys next time.